Hey there, and welcome to the Podcast Manager Show. I'm Lauren, and I am so glad that you are here today. We are talking to Jeremy Enns on how we can help our clients grow their unique or niched shows. And if you know anything about me, it's that I love a niched show, just like mine. Mine is so niched just for podcast managers. And Jeremy and I are going to talk about this topic on why it's a good idea for a show to be niched and how we can help our clients grow their shows. Jeremy Enns is the CEO of a podcast marketing agency called Counterweight Creative and also the creator of the Podcast Marketing Academy. So he knows something about marketing and growing a show. I'm so excited for us to get into this episode. So let's get to it. Hey there, I'm Lauren and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Jeremy, it's so great to have you on the show today. Hey, Lauren, it is so great to be on with you today. Yes, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about how to help our clients who are podcasters grow their unique and niched shows. Uh, This is something that I really am excited to talk about. And I know it's something that you're excited to talk about, too. Yeah, it's... um... It's, it's funny. It's one of those things that you hear. Everybody's heard the advice, right? Like that is one of the first things you, you get started in, in business, online business, whatever it is. Everybody talks about uh, niching your show or niching your show. I'm just going to go with niche because that's my uh, my natural uh, Canadian. I guess that's how we pronounce it. There's the French influence there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but everybody hears this advice and we all maybe think that we're doing it a little bit, but we're also really scared to do it anymore. And so we kind of convince ourselves that like, yeah, yeah, I, I've niched down. Like my niche is, you know, and you, you kind of like have some phrase that you say, but then you start to, to look at it and somebody starts to press you on it. And you're like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I, maybe I should niche down more. Is this not far enough? But then what if I, you know, exclude all these other people who I might work with one day. And so I think probably every single person listening uh, has been through that or is currently going through that. And I imagine you've been through that and I have been through that. And uh, everybody uh, has been through that at some point. So if you're struggling with that, you're in good company. And hopefully we can kind of dig into that and, and demystify it a little bit today. Yeah, that's a good point that it kind of depends on who you're talking to and if you know how how niched you are. Because yeah, if I talk to people in my personal life about what I do, they're like, is there even a market for that? Or they don't even know what I'm talking about, really. <laughs> that's the first problem. Yeah. And and then, you know, I'm I'm pretty much as niched as possible. Uh, but then again, I serve both males and females. And so I could be you know, niched even more. And so, yeah, it's like, it depends on who you talk to. You might think that you're niched down because certain people, you know, don't know what it is anyway. But then when you really get into the space that you're in, that's what matters more, right? Yeah, I think it's very, very dependent on what else is out there with what you can get away with, so to speak. And I mean, in one sense, it doesn't matter what else is out there. Like if, if even if there was no other competition uh, in your specific niche and you were still really broad, like I think you would have less success than aiming niche or even if there wasn't existing competition. But mm-hmm. I think when there is, then you need to further niche and differentiate yourself. Uh, and that, that can be through your niche. It can be one of your differentiators, but there are also other ways of doing that um, 
depending on your business or your show or whatever it is that you're trying to promote. But um, yeah, I think that the more competition it is, the more crowded a space is, the more it matters of getting really, really specific about who you're talking to. Mm, Definitely. Now, before we go deeper into this, because we're going to get all into it, tell us a little bit about yourself. You, You run a podcast marketing agency, but how did you get into this? Yeah, so I went to school for audio engineering and record production. Um, So I wanted to work in studios and produce records. And after school, I I interned at a studio in Vancouver, uh, where I'm from, for about a year, doing just a couple days a week. And basically the way studios are are very uh, old school, let's say, the way that they're run now, obviously, people know there's not much money in the music industry. So all internships are unpaid. And Mm -hmm. kind of what the days that you were working, you would show up at 8 or 9 a.m. And you would just be there till whenever the sessions ended. And a lot of times, like the artists aren't showing up till, you know, 2, 3 p.m. The sessions are going till 3, 4 in the morning. And so I knew people who were there literally seven days a week. Um, There were people who like lived in their cars to just, you know, work at the studio. And I was like, okay, I can't do that for my own sanity. Mm -hmm. I will like, (laughs) I'm someone who sleep is like a a priority for me. I go like two days with less than seven hours of sleep and I'm like stuffed up and sore throat and getting sick. So I was like, I can't do more than one or two days a week of this. And I'm not progressing up the ranks doing this. So eventually, you know, after a year of that, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't the route I want to take. And so I uh, ended up working at a landscaping job and I saved up enough money to take a year off to go traveling. And while I was traveling, I was like, oh man, I want to do more of this. How can I do this all the time? And actually it was when I got back uh, from that year of traveling, I went back to another landscaping job trying to like figure out, you know, what I was going to do next. And I discovered podcasting at that time. And really like the, the first thing I looked for when I discovered podcasts, I walked into iTunes and I was like, I wonder, you know, what I don't even know what to look for. Something like, you know, creative business, something like that. And of course there was like, you know, dozens of shows around online businesses and creative businesses and that kind of stuff. And so I, I was able to listen to podcasts all day, every day at work. So I listened to for a year, probably nine hours of podcasts a day at one and a half or two times speed, just absorbed everything I could about online business, started experimenting with things. And halfway through that period, I, started uh, a podcast production agency well it started out as a freelancer and uh and within six months i had enough clients to quit the landscaping job and, and go full-time on that and basically two weeks after i, I quit my full-time job i also had a plane ticket booked uh overseas and so i've been actually traveling and running and uh, this business growing the agency for uh, the past five years now wow that's awesome now a couple questions when was it that what year was it that you were listening to podcasts nonstop? That would have been in 2015. Okay. I think it would have been the fall of 2015 I discovered them. Okay. You know, just podcasting has grown so much. So it's always interesting to hear like where people kind of came into this. So you've been traveling and doing the production business. Do you do all sorts of production or you do you only do marketing for podcasts? I We do all. So basically, I started out from the technical sound engineering side of things. So um, when I started out, it was, you know, just me doing the editing, the show notes, the graphics, all that kind of stuff and started uh, outsourcing first the show notes, then the editing, and then a a bunch of the other backend admin stuff as well. So at this point, I'm really focused on strategy and marketing and Mm -hmm. the rest of my team is handling all the the actual like nuts and bolts of the production on the week to week basis. And then kind of from that uh, strategic marketing angle, um, I created a course last year called Podcast Marketing Academy. And so that's where I basically teach my approach to podcasters. Um, It's really aimed at people who are, they've been producing their show for like a year or two or or three. We've had some people who've been producing it for five years and kind of hit that plateau where they were growing to a point and then it just flatlines and it's like, no matter what they do, 
they can't get any more listeners. And so that's who it's that's really aimed at. Yeah, that's uh, that's such a good spot to teach from. I just see that all the time. Now, I'd love to know your thought on what a producer is, because people ask me all the time, you know, what a podcast manager is and then what a podcast manager is versus a producer. So I'd love since you actually have, you know, legit producing background, what do you consider a producer? Yeah, that's and I know there's like a lot of talk right now about classifying the roles more. And I think it's important. And yeah, I think for me, because it, it's very different coming from like the record production business. And I, I think there's a lot of crossover, but it's it's just different in how it, it works. So when I think about a producer for a podcast, I think it's probably not the same as a podcast editor. I think there can be a lot of overlap in a lot of different things that that happen in the podcasting process. And one podcast producer could be the editor, they could be the manager, they, they could do all of these things. But I think when I think about a podcast producer, they're kind of like the overseer of mm -hmm. the production. And so the editor's kind of under them, the manager may be under them, they're kind of coordinating all the bits of it to bring everything um, that's necessary for that production together, whether that's, you know, reaching out to guests and getting them doing like, you know, editing the scripts and things like that. They would have their finger in a bit of all of those different uh, kind of buckets. Yes. That's kind of what I think as well, just from talking to different people. And I think too, maybe a producer has more of the, like a creative role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In my opinion, just in my perception, a producer, they're more invested because like they have say in this, the whole creative process. Do you think that? Yeah. And it's funny because like so many people call themselves a producer, which I don't, you know, fault people for that. I think that's just a, a known term. Like there's, you know, I'm not, maybe not a, an, an editor. I'm not a manager. I'm like somewhere in between. So they call themselves a producer. And, and maybe I think that's changing now as some of these terms get more adopted. But I, yeah, I think that probably most of like, and I call myself like a podcast producer in the past, but I don't really think that I do a lot of actual production or even our team does a lot of like based on what that definition that we've done there, actual production with our clients. Like I think on the strategy side of things, that's more marketing vision type of stuff. But on an episode to episode basis, most of our clients are reaching out to get the guests themselves. And, you know, we might help them come up with a plan for, you know, the, the content that we want to cover in a season or over the next, you know, eight episodes or leading up to a launch or something like that. And so there is kind of that element, but we're not doing guest management and outreach and editing scripts and, you know, editing copy on, on a bunch of different places that aren't the actual show notes or, or production. So gotcha. yeah, I, I think that a lot of times a producer is going to be someone who's involved at a much higher level production, like, you know, for NPR or a big network or something like that, where there's a, a greater team involved with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or maybe like a, a storytelling podcast where yes. there's a lot of front work that has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Thank you for answering that because it's always, it's just so interesting to talk. And I agree with you. I don't fault people for using whatever term they find that fits best with them. There's bigger things to focus on than <laughs> us to pick apart, you know, each other's titles. So I think that's, I like that approach. Now, when it comes to having a, a niched show, why do you think it's so beneficial? What are some of the reasons that we should encourage our clients to really nail down who they're talking to? Yeah, I mean, I think that you don't really have to look farther than how <laughs> quickly podcasting is exploding. Like we passed the, the million podcast mark. What was that just like a month or two ago? And now is it already past 2 million? Or it's just like, it's just exploding insanely. I can't even keep up with it. And it, it doesn't really matter how many shows there are. 
But I, I think that you're just seeing how many people are, are coming into the industry and it's getting a whole lot more crowded. And I think, I don't know how long you've been in the, the podcasting space as well. When, when did you first uh, first get into the, the industry? Uh, 2016. Okay. So yeah, like when, but when both of us started 2015, 2016, like I know so many people who started shows then who now have, you know, million download shows or, or more, and they didn't have to work that hard for it. They like, they had to be consistent. Mm. They had to be solid, but a lot of those people, and I've talked to a lot of people who started shows even earlier than that, like in the early 2010s or even in the, the 2000s when podcasting was really young. And they all said like, yeah, you know, back then I just started a show and immediately I had like thousands of listeners or tens of thousands and it just grew. And then, you know, I let that um, that RSS feed lapse and I restarted the show under a different feed uh, a few years later, like, you know, in 2018, 2019. And it's, I, I'm stuck at a hundred listeners and it's, it's clearly not the content because the content's exactly the same. It's the same person. They have the same following on their other channels. It's harder to start a podcast now. And so I think you need to be so specific to find that, uh, that little like starting point um, to get that first little foothold. And I think that one of the things that most of us are guilty of at some point is just, you know, trying to appeal to everyone and not wanting to turn people away. Mm. Kind of mentioned this in the intro and, you know, doing that it's, you might've heard the, the phrase before, like you can uh, choose to mean a little to a lot of people or a lot to a few. And I think the only way anything is going to grow, the only way anything people are going to talk about what you do is you have to mean a whole heck of a lot to them. And so I think that, I don't know about you, but when I list, look through my podcast feed, I think I, uh, I looked at like the 20 top shows that I listened to uh, a little while back. And I think 80% of them were somebody told me about them. I heard about them through word of mouth. And, you know, there's a lot yes. of, there's a lot of podcast discovery tools that are, are coming out, but I think that still word of mouth is the way that, that anything grows. And, and this is, I think, again, just because we're so, there's so much out there that mm -hmm. we're not going to take a chance as a consumer to like try out, spend an hour trying out a new show. Like we have to have someone tell us first, like, you need to listen to this. Like, this is made for you. You're going to enjoy this. I'm going to stake my, you know, reputation, our relationship on it that like, I'm not going to waste your time by sending you a show you don't like. And so I think that that's where that, you know, if people are going to talk about it, it needs to mean a lot to them. And so that's the only way to do that is to aim niche and speak really directly to a, a very uh, limited kind of scope of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I still, I still think that to this day, it's, it sounds crazy to, to think that like something would grow word of mouth. But, you know, you can also think of that as like social media helps us to speak to one another in a grander way. Like in Facebook groups, when someone says, hey, what podcast are you guys listening to grow your podcast, whatever, then people recommend stuff. That's word of mouth, in my opinion, yes. because it's like one person telling someone else you should listen to this show. So I totally agree. And I'd also say that, you know, there's. I probably have 10 or 15 shows that I would love to listen to, mm -hmm. but I don't listen to them on a regular basis because I have, you know, five, maybe five to 10, but probably five that I'm, you know, die hard. I'm not going to miss, but I have one show in my head that like one of my friends really likes. And so she'll send me episodes from that show. Hey, you have to listen to this. And I'm like, I wish I listened to that show regularly, but I really only listen to it when I get a nudge that says like, okay, this is one you cannot miss. Yeah. And, you know, that's, we could get into a whole other discussion on this, but I think there's a lot of, when we're talking about marketing and promotion, I think that those are two very different things. And so I think what most people think of as marketing is sharing episodes on social media. 
that is entirely in the promotion category. I mean, which is under mm. the umbrella of marketing. But I think that the only purpose of that, the only purpose of sharing on social media is not to get new people. You are not going to reach new people on social media. But like, do not count on that as a strategy, really, at least for like sharing your podcast episodes. But the point is to give people that nudge and make it so compelling that it's those people who already are, they're aware of you, they know your show, but it just takes a, a little extra push, a really good reason for them to like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to listen to this show again. I like this show already, but this episode sounds made for me. And so I'm going to listen to that. Um, but I think that uh, that's one of the things with the, my first question on the intake form for, for everyone who comes into Podcast Marketing Academy is, what are you currently doing to market your show or promote your show? And everybody says, well, I mean, I share my episodes on social media. And then there's that's it. There's a long and, silence. Right. And so I think that yes. that's, we can talk a, a lot, lot more about, you know, ways to mark or what marketing actually entails outside of that. But I think that that's really helpful. Like the way, when I think about social media and how you would use it to promote a podcast, it's not to actually like get new listeners by sharing your episodes. Mm. It's to share other content that might pull people in. And over time, they might follow you for six months and eventually they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, they've started a podcast and I get so much value out of every like, you know, 30 seconds I spend with them looking at their Instagram post. Imagine what I would get out of listening to 45 minutes of them. Like that's, that's gotta mm -hmm. be a good value. So it's kind of like earning that, that trust in micro doses and building them up to come to the podcast rather than just like pushing your podcast out every chance you get and say like, Hey, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, because that's a, like we kind of just talked about, that's a, a bit of a risk for people to, to dedicate that much time to an unknown commodity. Yeah. And that's an interesting point because one of the things I love so much about podcasting is that it's intimate. You know, when you're listening yeah. to one person talk or two people talk, it just feels like you're right there in the room. Right. And you're like, it grows that trust with the podcaster so quickly. Love, I love that about it. But on the flip side, it is a big ask to ask someone to listen to your show. And I don't even necessarily think it's because of the time that they have to invest. There's just something about like you're following someone on Instagram and you're on Instagram. You're asking them to come to another platform and download. And they're just like, what is it? I don't know. It seems silly to think like, what is it going to be like to listen to their show? But it's just a big step. Do you think that? Yeah, this is something um, I, I'm sure there's probably a technical marketing term. I call it like platform switching, which actually mm, could be mm -hmm. the term. I don't know if I picked that up from somewhere, <laughs> but there's like a friction inherent in that. And I think that when you have to think about the mindset of somebody who's scrolling through Instagram, they're in scrolling mode there. It is addictive. Like we, we know this Instagram is designed to keep you scrolling. It's designed to hold mm -hmm. you. And like every social media platform, the point is to keep you on there. They make it hard for people to go off of the platform. And so everything is stacked against you with social media. And so I think like you have to meet people where they're at and I know one of the things that I see people do a lot with podcasts, and I've done this in the past with you know my own podcasts and blog posts and all that stuff, is tease people and give like a kind of create an open loop in your either title or your description or whatever it is. But you have to be a really good copywriter if you're going to get people to compelled enough, compelled them enough to leave that platform and click through to a podcast and then listen through the podcast. And so my approach is, is much more kind of coming from a generous approach where it's like, I'm going to give you all the value where you're at. And so if I just mm -hmm. did a 45 minute mm -hmm. podcast, I'm going to give you everything you need to know to take away from it right here on Instagram in a 30 second video or in a graphic or a carousel post or something along those lines so that you don't even need to go listen to the podcast. You can if you want, and that's going to be more nuanced and more in depth, but you can also get all of that value here. And that's, you know, going to get you to come back to follow. Maybe that's going to get the follow so that they, you know, they see the one post and then they're like, oh, this was amazing. I'm going to follow this person and get more of this. And so I think that that's the mindset that when we're, 
you know, using social media, we need to take is not gating everything, not holding everything back. It's like giving people a win where they're at. And that's where that trust starts to build slowly and slowly. And, and, and over time, it, it leads to, to more trust. And maybe they listen to the podcast. Maybe they never do. There's some of my favorite people have podcasts that I know are great. I much prefer to read their newsletter and I get the same value Fine. out of it. And for some people, I like don't like their newsletter and I want to listen to the podcast. And so I think this is where there's a mindset shift here. I think most of your audience helping business owners with their podcasts, this is the way you need to think about it. It doesn't really matter about getting podcast listeners at the end of the day. It's about because the podcast is leading to something else. There's it's to get them mm -hmm. onto the email list or to sign up for a program or buy a product or a course or something like that. So podcasting is a great way to build that trust and like maybe the best way to build that trust on route to the sale, but it's not the only way uh, either. So I think mm -hmm. that sometimes we'll get caught up on like, oh, I need to get more listeners. I need to get more listeners. And they're ignoring like, oh, but maybe there's another thing that's also working here that you can do this and you don't actually need to get them to listen. You can kind of have them come through another door into your ecosystem. Yes. Oh, that's gold. And I love that. It makes me think of how uh, video podcasts are kind of picking up speed and interest. And so I've heard a lot of people recently talk about like putting your podcast audio on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, I just am not a fan of repurposing content in its original form onto a different platform where it doesn't make sense for that platform. Like you just said, if we're going to be on Instagram, we need to be on Instagram in a way that Instagram users want us to be. We need, you know, we need to be taking that great content, but transforming it to what an Instagram user wants at that time. Uh, because the mindset of getting on Instagram is like, like you said, scrolling. And I get on Instagram when I don't have any time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I'm going to listen to a podcast, that means I have time. And that's a mindset thing that we probably all need to get over a little bit. But I didn't listen to a podcast. I got on Instagram because I didn't think I had that much time, you know? So there's just this mindset of using these different platforms. And so I think that's a really great point. And I totally agree. I have lots of people I follow that I love and I know they have a podcast and I wish I listened to it, but I just don't. <laughs> and, and I get their information some other way. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting too. I hadn't thought about that before with the Instagram. I think I don't really use Instagram anymore. But when I did, when I went on, it was when I had like a spare 30 seconds. And this is, of course, the stupid thing about Instagram and social media is that, again, you're addicted and you can't like, none of us can like sit still for 30 seconds with our thoughts. We have to pull out our phone and go on Instagram and see what's happening somebody's like coming back from the bathroom or something like that or, or whatever, the back to like the table at the restaurant. And then I'm going to put my phone away. I'm not listening to a podcast. It's just to like fill the space kind of. And so I mm -hmm. think that that's when so many people, they're like lying in bed. It's when they get up in the morning or whatever it is. And, and maybe some people do listen to podcasts then, but they probably already have their routine. I feel like podcasts are very mm -hmm. routine oriented. Like it's, it's during a commute. There's a, a designated time for that. And so it can be hard to get people to, you know, break out of that routine and, and start listening to a podcast some other time. So I think for me, mm -hmm. like, it's like a long way around to get people into the podcast through any platform, really. But it's either, you know, building up trust over time on social media, or it's getting people onto an email list when you can deliver them a, a prompt where it's like an easy clickable link at a time when they're not in scrolling mode. And maybe, mm -hmm. you know, when it sits in your inbox, it's in front of you for a while. And you can be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do this now, but I'm going to come back in two hours. And I know where this link is now, rather than yes. just gone in the feed. And then you're never going to find it again, or you have to go search it out uh, specifically. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that, you know, there's this umbrella of marketing and that promotion is underneath it. And I think we, from what you explained, promotion seems pretty clear. It's what we think marketing is. So what, how would you describe marketing? 
Yeah, I mean, I think of marketing just as uh, basically connecting with people and building relationships. I think like for me, marketing you could, is almost synonymous with connection. Um, and so I think that a lot of people are scared of marketing. They feel sleazy about it. And so for me, that was a really helpful reframe where I was like, oh, all of this is, is connecting with people who I have the potential to help. And they're going to get to know me and I'm going to get to know them. And I'm creating this stuff here. I'm not going to be pushy about it. I'm going to just build a relationship with them. And it's going to be obvious to them what I'm doing. I'm going to make the occasional, you know, offer to them and say like, hey, you know, if you're actually looking to speed this up, like, you know, you can get all this value out of me by following me on, on Twitter or my newsletter, or whatever it is. But if you really want to supercharge that, here's something, it's a paid offer that is going to, we're going to go do this together. And I think that that was such a helpful reframe for me. And I know it has been for a lot of people who feel uncomfortable about marketing. And so when I think about marketing and kind of really the whole kind of cycle that happens or the stages of um, that we all need to, to go through to support our business, there's the um, you need an exposure system at the top, there's the trust system in the middle, and then there's the conversion system at the bottom kind of. So you can kind of think about this as a, a funnel as well. And that's how I kind of think about those stages. And I think that the podcast I know a lot of people start podcasts as like a top of funnel thing. They think it's an exposure activity and it's not anymore. I think like we were saying before, it used to be in, you know, 2015, 2016, before that, uh, you used to be able to start a podcast and just people would find you. That doesn't really happen anymore. And so now I think podcasting is a very much like middle of the funnel trust building um, kind of uh, outlet for your business. And so I think that that is like every business needs something like that. And you can do that in many ways. I think podcasting is the absolute best. Like you mentioned, there's that intimacy before, but then I think a lot of that other marketing falls into that exposure system. And it's like, how do you get in front of people to build relationships with them and make connections with them? And so I think that anything that does that is a form of marketing. And a lot of times I think we think about marketing as like, we think of content marketing as creating content. I think that exposure stuff is way more about engaging with people and not creating content. I know I have uh, one of my friends, Andrea Jones, who runs the Savvy Social podcast or is it Savvy Social School? I think that's her community. She works with a lot of podcasters as well. But she, I remember doing a session with her and talking about creating versus um, engaging. And she was talking about, I mean, this is true for all social channels, but she was talking specifically about Instagram. And she was saying, especially when you're starting out, spend one hour a week creating content, like do no more than that. However much you can create in that hour, do that, but spend 30 minutes a day engaging. And I was like, huh, 30 minutes a day engaging. So that's more time spent engaging than creating. And of course, as a creator myself, I'm like, but that seems flipped. It's all about the stuff I create. Like that's what people are gonna like come back to. But people are never going to find their way back to you if you don't reach out and take that first step and engage with them elsewhere. And so I think that for me, like the, the one of the, the easiest forms of marketing is just being active in whatever community you want to serve. And I think the reason that people and I'm, I have struggled with this, I think everybody struggles with this, is it doesn't feel fast. It feels like, yeah, mm. but like, I'm going to, how long am I going to have to do that? I'm going to have to like talk with these people for months at a time before they're ever going to find their way back to me. And maybe it's six months or whatever it is. And I think when I think about that, it's a bit funny because of course, then in the meantime, we're like, okay, six months is too long. I need something that's going to work now and get me uh, people now. And so then we try all these shortcuts and a year later, we still haven't made any progress. And if we had just 
embedded ourselves in that community and, and actually made friends and talked with people and really engaged for six months, we would have built up a lot of goodwill. We would have built up a lot of connections. A lot of opportunities would have opened up. And so I think uh, the, the thing that I just come back to time and time and time again is that like the only shortcut is to play the long game and just like put your head down and be consistent on the simple, boring things. Like those are always the things that work and nobody wants to do them. And that's why, like, if you actually commit to them, they're going to work for you because nobody else is actually able to do them. And so it takes this like yes. level of discipline kind of, um, and it's, it's not always fun. It's not sexy. It feels like it's going to take way longer than the flashy marketing things we see out there. But that's like the easiest, most straightforward uh, down to earth way to actually like make connections with people and build those relationships is by, you know, duh, connecting with them and, uh, and talking with them. Yeah. I think just taking that approach in your business to say, I'm going to be here for the long haul. And you're not looking for like, we all we all want quick wins. We need to get cash in the door. But at the same time, I think just having that mindset of I'm going to be around in a year. And so I need to make friendships and grow my network and all of that stuff because I'm going to be here. I'm a player in the podcasting industry or however you want to think about it. I think that that does a lot for just the way you view your business and such. Um, but the way that you're describing this, like making content versus engaging, I think is so good, especially for my students when it comes to landing clients, because what they want to do is they want to create content. And when you can get stuck in that creation mode, it's easier than yes. building relationships. Yeah. And so you can just think, OK, five posts a day on Instagram and it's going to get me somewhere when really, like you said, it just doesn't, you know, you can use hashtags and you can grow an Instagram account. But what really is so powerful is relationships and it can be uncomfortable. And so I think that's some of that resistance or like you said, it's not fast. And so you do it for two weeks and it you haven't yeah. you don't have anything you think when really you have seeds that have little tiny, you know, little tiny sprouts and you can't see them yet. Um, but yes, I think that's so good. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass, and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. Now, do you have any advice on finding communities that are good with this? Or maybe just what do you use for like for communities? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends so much on this is where it comes back to knowing your niche and 
those people are going to whatever, depending on what that niche is, there are going to be different communities. And so, you know, it's your job to kind of find those. And there are certainly going to be Facebook groups. There are going to be LinkedIn groups. There are probably like corners of Twitter. Um, Twitter's my main uh, social platform, which has been a revelation to me once I understood how to use it. And it, Twitter is such a interesting shift from like Facebook, I think, because it is so like you get punished for not being a real human, basically. Like if you're going to just like schedule auto schedule tweets that are generic, um, I, I think it would be really hard for somebody to outsource Twitter. Well, I think a lot of times it's like that, that personal factor, but Twitter is really interesting because you, it's just like everybody's in your inbox kind of, you have access to so many people. And that's been one of the really magical things for me is all these people I looked up to was able to start like having conversations with them just like that, where it felt like that wasn't mm -hmm. really possible on other platforms. Um, Instagram that can kind of happen as well. Um, but it's a bit, it's a bit different on Twitter and, and things can go like micro viral a lot uh, more quickly in a community than Instagram because things can be retweeted and shared. Um, so that's what's, what's uh, working for me and what I'm really interested in right now. What I would say is regardless of which platform you're on, like, I think where people go wrong with this networking and community engagement type stuff is like, if you find a Facebook group and you can be really active in there in general, that's great. I think with Instagram or another platform like that, where it might be like person specific, you're not in this larger community. I think people try and engage with too many people and they make it really hard on themselves. And we kind of know from like building habits, we have to make it really, really easy for ourselves. And so it's, it has to be so easy that it would be stupid not to do it basically. There's the story of like, if you want to learn to floss your teeth, like commit to flossing one tooth. And it's like, it's, it would be so stupid. How could we say like, oh no, I, I don't have the time to floss one tooth. Like can, can any of us <laughs> yeah. really rationalize that? And so you do that and chances are you're, once you start flossing one tooth, you're going to floss all your teeth. And so I think again, with building habits for outreach and engagement in communities, pick one person or three people or something like that. And you can comment on, you know, three people's posts once a day. That's pretty easy. The problem is when we have a hundred people who are all on our radar, we got to remember to like, oh, who, who haven't I like engaged with today? I haven't commented on their thing and all this. And then you just put it off and you don't do it. Whereas if it's yeah. just one person, three people, something small like that, you can do that over time. And I know when I've been uh, reaching out to podcast guests and things like that in the past, I've been really amazed how quickly sometimes just a little bit of consistent engagement turns into something where I know there was one person who I was looking to have her as a guest on my podcast. She had, you know, tens of thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of followers. I was like, she'd be the perfect guest. And I was like, she's just way above my level. So I don't know how I'm going to get in touch with her, but I'm going to start just commenting on her posts and we'll see mm -hmm. what happens. And I think I commented on her posts for with thoughtful, like personalized comments three days in a row. And then she DM'd me and was like, Hey, I've seen you've been commenting on my posts. It looks like you, what you do is really interesting. I'd love to chat more about it. And I was like, Oh, I thought this was going to be like months of engagement before I ever like made a pitch to or anything like that. And here it was three comments or four comments, whatever it wow. was. And she reached out to me and not to say that's always going to happen, but I think that it, it can happen. And that just a little bit of focused energy rather than like a lot of broadly diffused energy can go a long way. And maybe it's not, you don't get that client, but maybe they get to know you and they're like, Oh, you're, you would be perfect for my friend who, mm. you know, and then there, again, there's that word of mouth, that personalized recommendation, which, uh, which can help you get connections, even if it's not through the person that you were first kind of engaging with. Yeah. And that is the diff one of the big differences between networking and content creation is that, like you said, you, even if you don't, aren't landing a crazy amount of clients or podcast, you know, guests or whatever it is, you're making connections with other people and you're learning about other people. And that just is essential for 
growing a business or growing a podcast. Yeah. Well, and I think that this is the other coming back to the niching kind of topic here. This is where niching becomes so, so important is when other people are talking about you. Because if you have a generic show helping people, you know, learn how to market themselves online, there are dozens, hundreds, thousands of shows doing that. And so you talk to someone and you tell them, oh, yeah, I run a podcast. It's about helping people market themselves online. They're like, oh, cool. Doesn't stick in their memory at all. Whereas if you say, I teach uh, female coaches in the wellness space how to better market their businesses, and maybe it's even like with, you know, physical, um, physical in-person stores, how to market themselves locally. Then you tell that to someone, they're like, oh, I have three people in mind who all run those businesses. I need to tell them about you because you are specific to them. And so it's not so much about even necessarily appealing to those end listeners or customers. It's helping people spread the word for you because as soon as you say that, their minds automatically pull up people that's like, oh, you're the perfect for, for that. And we all like to be helpful. And so I know that anytime I hear that connection, like I'm like, oh yeah, I need to recommend this person to them or I need to connect them. And so I think that that just cannot happen if you're not specific about a niche or a topic or a differentiator. Yes, that's so true. And you're making me think of two of my students have shows that are super, super unique. One of them is a woman that talks about being child free. Mm-hmm. And so and that's when you think about it, that's actually not that specific. Like there's a lot of because it's not even women only. It's like men and women that are child free. That's, you know, that's not that specific, but it's definitely specific enough. Yeah. And so that's one show. And then another one that comes to mind is people that have retired that have started really interesting side hustles. Yeah. So if you know someone or you hear about someone that has that, it's like you're never yeah. going to forget that show because it's so specific. And you, like you said, we want to be helpful. We want to connect people. It's just kind of natural instinct. So, yes, that's such a great tip for another reason as to why why you should niche down and how you can grow your show just from people talking about it. Yeah, it's funny. As you mentioned that that second show in particular, I could like I wasn't consciously doing it. I could feel my mind like cycling through like, do I know anyone for this? Because that's such an interesting topic. I didn't come up with anyone right away, but it's just like. But if you do, let me know. (laughs) And you can't help yourself. Like that's just how our brains are wired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now, is there anything we've talked about some stuff, but is there anything that you find that people are doing wrong when it comes to marketing? We, We talked, I guess, about staying in content mode content creation mode. We don't want to do that. But is there anything else that comes to mind with things we shouldn't be doing? Yeah, I think we've kind of touched on this, but I'll just kind of call it out more plainly is I think a lot of times we think about like, if you can envision your potential audience as like a circle, and we aim for the furthest reaches out or even like a solar system, you're the sun at the center, obviously, of course, we're all the the suns of our own solar systems. And we think about (laughs) reaching those like furthest people out in the orbit, and we want to bring them in. And it feels like that's the smartest way. There's the most people out there. And so we want to like cast our net really wide. But the way I think about it or in visualizing in my head is like by the, the energy it takes to get out to those far reaches of the solar system, we basically got nothing left by the time we reach them. It's the, the message is like lost in translation. It's like the game of banana where, you know, we get out there and they're like, what, what is that? Eh, I'm not really that interested. I don't know that person. And, and yet we spend all our time like aiming wide and far out and pulling the people who are like least likely to engage with us or they're the least engaged already. They might be interested in our topic, but they don't know who we are. We spend all our energy trying to get them to come in rather than pulling the people who are you know, vaguely aware of us, like those people, uh, or like we were talking about before, where there's those shows where it's like, I like the show, I just don't listen every week. I think our effort is much better spent on turning those people into super fans. And mm-hmm. if we can turn, because mm-hmm. super fans talk about the show, and they tell other people about it. And 
if there are people out there who already like the show, they are aware of us. If we can turn them from passive listeners, you know, every five episodes they listen, whatever that is, into people who set their watches by our show release dates and actually tell their friends about it, like those are the people who are going to grow our show, show for us because, you know, we can only tell so many people about our show at a time. We don't, don't have that uh, kind of big of megaphones. But if we have 10 people who are willing to tell, you know, five friends of theirs about the show, most people have at least one super fan who just like can't shut up about the show. And I know that there are products and services and people that I am a super fan for. And I take so much pride in converting people to, you know, users or listeners or whatever it is of that for anyone. uh, I'll, I'll, I have to, it's like a a mandatory plug I have to give on every time I talk to anyone (laughs) is a, I'm a huge fan of the, the tool notion, which is like a kind of software tool. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I must have got like 10 or 15 people since I started using it at the start of the year to like sign up for it. And I talk about it all the time. I have a huge smile that comes across my face as soon as it comes to mind because it's been so helpful to me. There's no affiliate program. I have no personal stake. There's there's no real benefit to me for people mm-hmm. to use it. And I can't help myself. I like love it so much. I have to tell people. I'm compelled <laughs> to tell people and, and convert them. And that's the yeah. that's true for that we all have these people. And if we can get more of those people, like that's how a show grows. And so I think we're not going to turn people at the far reaches out. They're not going to become super fans, probably. What we need is to get people like scattered throughout that solar system uh, and kind of working its way out from the middle. Because, you know, the people closest around us, they tell the people like your friend, who's a super fan of that other show, she keeps nudging you, trying to pull you in. And she's going to keep doing that no matter how many times you like do or don't listen to the show. She's going to keep nudging you and trying to pull you in. And maybe you do end up like listening to that show more. And then maybe you start poking someone else and like, actually, you know, I didn't used to be a fan, but they switched this up. And now I'm a massive fan. You have to listen to this. And that's how it kind of spreads outward from her audience rather than just specifically from us. Yeah. And so now what would be a tip for getting, yeah, someone that's listens, but's on the, on somewhat of that fringe, how do we convert them to a super fan? I think you need to get to know them better. I, I think that your super fans, they're, they're probably always going to listen. And a lot of times, like, we'll, I don't want to say ignore them. Like, you do want to keep engaging with them, but they don't actually need that much ongoing attention to stay super fans. And so I would say put more of your attention and your research and, you know, talking to people who are in that kind of that bubble range where it's like they like the show, but like find out, you know, what isn't quite doing it for them? Like, what are their favorite shows and what do those shows do that yours doesn't? And find out, you know, how you can pull those people in. And I think a lot of times it's just showing that personal interest and attention that turns people into super fans. It's like, wow, this, this person actually reached out and had a one-on-one conversation with me. Maybe you set up like a 15 minute uh, Zoom call or something like that. And you just got to know the person and said like, okay, I would love to hear about you know where you're at, what you're doing and see what I can do with the show to help. How can I make this your favorite show? Uh, or and like asking, you know, what is your favorite show right now? Uh, and finding out you know everything that you can about them because you can then tailor your show uh, more to them. Yeah, that's a great reminder because you know, with a podcast and just being online, you know, maybe we're more comfortable like sending out a survey or like asking questions on our Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to do. You know, you don't really have to connect much with the individual. But when you show that personal attention and to say, hey, I am really interested in what you're looking for, it, that just that outreach is so powerful because like it just isn't happening as much. People want that feedback, but they're not really willing to take the effort to and just the little bit of uncomfortableness that comes with reaching out to an individual so that's a really that's a really great point and reminder that that's so powerful yeah and i i mean i think those 
those calls, those conversations that you can do, you know, one of those a week or something like that, maybe it's, you know, 15 or 30 minutes, doesn't need to be a huge chunk of time on your calendar. Those are the things that will like guide all of your future content. They'll help you get to know those listeners better. will help pull those people in and they'll become, you know, super fans of yours potentially. Not all of them will, but um, I, I think that that, you know, 30 minutes a week can have a massive uh, impact on, on your show and your business. If you're willing to kind of put that out there and take that, that plunge. Yeah, because then that actually that will also keep you in the know with whatever is going on with that person. Yeah. Not all your listeners are going to be the exact same, but like, okay, now that we're in, you know, summertime or whatever, like what's going through their head with current events or you just stay in touch with what they're experiencing so you can create content that's based on them, which is, you know, obviously the goal. Yeah, well, and the other thing that I've had this happen for through those types of calls is the person has never actually become like a real, like engaged person in my community. I used to have this with a Facebook community where I would do this. The people, a lot of people who I got on the calls with, they were never became super engaged commenters or posters in the community, but some of them became customers. And a lot of them have said like, oh, it was because of that call. You know, we, we talked through this on the call. I really got to know you and I could like sense that you really cared. And so I think that that's, you know, again, coming, going back to that thing, like maybe they don't need to become podcast listeners, but this is another way to, to right. address their, you know, their needs and, and see how you can help them in another way. Yeah. And I think just my audience, my listeners hearing that they don't have to be 100% focused on listeners is a good reminder because our clients will, will want, obviously we want numbers to increase, but we can lose sight of like, what's the point in all of this? The point isn't just to like increase numbers, right? Yeah. The point is to like have an impact, sell a product, whatever it is for you. But is the point really to like grow your show infinity and beyond? Probably not, you know, maybe, maybe, but or in, is that the best goal? So I think mm -hmm. that's a good, it's a good reminder to just, you know, you don't need a million followers or a million listeners or whatever. Anyway, you need, you probably more want really engaged people and the right people. Yeah. And I, I think the the perfect example of this is I have a client who uh, she had a $300,000 launch. She's a coach and she has only 200 listeners for her podcast. And mm. all of those, basically she creates the course or the, the, the podcast as supplementary content for her membership people. She is not focused mm. at all. She's the perfect example of this aiming to serve the people who are already in your ecosystem, who are closest to you. And like, they will spread the word for her. And she has a lot of super fans from this. And so she's just basically creating the show. It is, you know, it makes sense to anyone who is not involved with her membership program or her courses or anything like that. But she is entirely focused on the people that she already knows super intimately, and she can create the content that's exactly for them. And she doesn't need a hundred thousand listeners or anything like that, or 10,000 or even 1000. She's able with a super small audience to still have this massive like financial success uh, in launching her. This was a, a six month high ticket program. Um, so, you know, if you don't have a, a multiple thousand dollar program, it's going to be a lot harder to do that. But I think you, it's also a lot easier to create a high ticket program like that when you're niche, when you aim small, when you know mm -hmm. those people super intimately and they are, are have that huge level of trust for you. Yes. Oh, that's so true. Okay, Jeremy, this has been so great. And I know we could probably, I feel like we could have like 10 other conversations yeah, from so. this. <laughs> uh, but to wrap us up, can you tell us a little bit more about the Podcast Marketing Academy that you have? 
Yeah, so uh, basically it started from a place where I was looking at our clients and I could see that about half of them were having a ton of success with their shows and the other half were really struggling. And so this was about maybe a year and a half ago and I just got curious and I was like, oh, what, what is going on here? Why are these ones, the production quality is the same, the content feels good on both of them. It doesn't seem like there's a real difference here. So you know, what, what is actually going on? Why are some shows successful and others aren't all else being equal? And so basically I started just interviewing my clients and looking into what some of the other top podcasters were doing out there, having more conversations with, with just general indie podcasters. And basically out of those questions came this course. And so uh, I've run it three times now and uh, it opens up twice a year and it is a, uh, it is an intense program. I would say it's, it's not definitely not for the faint of heart, uh, but really like this is, I think everything you need to grow your show. And I think where there are there are a lot of like tactics and strategies uh, involved, but really what students have had the most success with, and what I you know believe is uh, is essential to growing any show is that foundational stuff that people produce their show you know for a year, two, three, four, five, and they've never addressed some of these questions about niching and positioning and differentiation and like what is going to make somebody want to talk about this show. And so um, there are there's over twenty hours of video lessons in the course, but it's really um, to get the most out of the course and what students do get the most out of the course is the, the questions and the prompts that uh, I supply them in the workbook. And it, uh, <laughs> it's intense. We're like a month, uh, a month or two into this, this current program and people are still like stuck on the first few lessons, a lot of people and kind of getting frustrated. And there's a, that's where the community comes in. It's like, yeah, you're not going to grow the show though. If you can't answer these questions. And like, I am, you know, a hundred percent, I would guarantee that if you're able to go through and answer all of these questions, like there is no reason that you can't grow a massive show. And, mm. you know, maybe that's not millions of listeners, um, but that's, you know, whatever it is, whatever your niche can, can kind of satisfy and where you need to be to run your business. I think it's, it all comes back to being able to have answers to these fundamental questions. And once you do, marketing just becomes so much easier when you know who your audience is and how to talk about your show in a way that Im immediately makes their ears perk up. And so uh, that, was, that was something that when I first created the course, I was like, I don't know if people are going to want to do this. They're kind of probably going to be like, well, I already did that. Like I've already picked my niche. I already like know all these things. And so I was like, well, okay, I'm going to have to hold their attention to get them to all the tactics and strategies and all the stuff later in the course. And every time that people go through, they're like, that was the most impactful stuff. Like I had never mm -hmm. been pushed that to go that deep on my show and am now seeing the results because of it. So it's a, it's a very much like a, a marketing, like fundamentals course of like building from the ground up. And the great thing is that all of these strategies, especially that like uh, the foundational stuff can be used for running your business, creating any other type of content, uh, as well as the podcast. Uh, although there are a lot of podcast specific strategies for growth later in the course. Yeah. And I, it's just hard for some people. I think we've all been in this position that you have to take a second to do that hard work. You have to slow yourself down. And there's so many other things that can distract you and can feel easier or more fun. But that foundational stuff is so essential. And especially if someone's a couple of years into their podcast and they've hit a wall or they've hit a plateau, it's like, oh, gosh, if they can, like you said, if they can just answer those questions, then they'll see some, they'll probably have to make some changes and some tweaks in their show, but they'll see some success. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's interesting, like even myself in writing all these questions down and creating now in three iterations of this course and, and refining and tweaking them. Of course, I've like been staring face to face with the questions. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to make other people answer this, I better be able to answer this for myself and my business. And so it has been such a, uh, a game changer for me as well, which is one of the, the big ironies is that, of course, I too didn't answer those questions initially, but I like kind of knew what the questions were. And I have like a I, I don't know, I have a bit of an obsession with like questions and questioning. I have a database of like 350 questions that I'm like, I just keep it in notion. And one of my current like things that's on the back of my mind is I'm like, if I answered all of these 350 questions, if I had solid answers to all of these, I think I would be unstoppable. I think I could do anything <laughs> in life and I would just have like the answers and I would be able to like do it all. And so that's on my like to-do list. I'm like, when am I going to make the time to go through all of these? <laughs> you should answer one per day. I've been thinking about that and I've been thinking about creating it's some like kind of like, things. yes, exactly. I, I've been thinking about doing some kind of like a uh, 30 day program or something around that to help like creators get unstuck. Um, so that is yeah. likely in the future at some point as well. Yeah. So are you a researcher? I feel like what you're describing with like answering questions, like, do you like information? I, yes. Uh, it's yeah, I, I do. I, I, so as part of my newsletter, which is my favorite thing that I do in my business. And it's, it's like, you know, my podcast, what podcasting is to a lot of people, my newsletter is, um, is uh, curating links for creators of stuff for help them, you know, tools or articles, things to make them think differently about their businesses or strategies or whatever that is. Um, so I do a uh, kind of an essay every Sunday, as well as five links that I think will help creators, um, you know, grow their businesses and, and have more success and live a more fulfilled life. But in doing that, I subscribe to probably 25 newsletters. So I, and I don't read through all of them every week, but like I do go through a lot of content. I think for me, like there is the information aspect, but I think for me, the the fun part is connecting the dots. It's like making, mm, seeing the similarities yeah. and what works and yeah, taking in all the information and then making space to like think about it and let those dots connect and come up with, help that shape my unique perspective, which is something I'm a huge proponent of is like we have enough information out there what we need is more perspective and nuance um, rather than just another listicle basically yeah so how can our listeners connect with you i'm guessing twitter twitter yeah i am at i am jeremy ends uh, and so you can find me there that's also my uh, handle on instagram not very active on there like i said um, you can go to counterweightcreative.co slash podcast manager show and i've got a page set up there with everywhere that you can get in touch with me i've got hundreds of blog posts that I've written over the past few years. Um, I've also got a couple uh, freebies on podcast sponsorships. I have a free course on that. And I also have a free mini course on how to land guest appearances on other shows. And so that, especially for podcast managers, I think both of those resources are like, you will up your value to your clients so much. If you can bring that to them and say like, hey, I just came up with a strategy for how we can get sponsors for the show. And I also think we should try getting you booked on other shows uh, to help get more mm -hmm. exposure. So definitely go through both of those and, uh, and then raise your rates. <laughs> yes, raise your rates. Love that. Okay, well, thank you so much. I think this has been so great. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Lauren. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. 
special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.